Hello, welcome back to Anime on the Sea to Sky. Spring has sprung. We're finally in the middle of the transition period between the winter and spring 2021 anime seasons. And considering that we are in the middle of April, we are getting more and more light as the days get longer and longer, which has definitely been a nice change of pace after leading ourselves out of the winter season. But mostly the anime that we are looking to watch transition from place to place here, so... Before we get to those, there's only a handful of uh, major stories that have essentially popped up. Relatively big news for those who are essentially fans of these two series, but besides that, not a lot has really happened. Besides Funimation actually trying to put down a settlement to go through the majority of their lawsuit that happened in the middle of their acquisition of Crunchyroll... At least they're going to be able to move forward with that to see how exactly they will be able to, as this season has been going, transition into a much better acquisition period as the days go forward and the year goes and moves along. So, Attack on Titan has finally concluded in manga form. It has been announced that Kodansha is going to be taking legal action against several accounts and individuals that are going to try and go through and illegally upload early leaks of the manga's final chapter, even though it has now been officially released. The fact that before the majority of the times and the majority of articles that were going through, a handful of days before the final uh, chapter's launch, they were actually able to leak an indefinite and a false final chapter. I, I can't... Um, Isayam submitted the draft for the final chapter the day before, and they went through the majority of it and came up with a handful of countermeasures in order to make sure that people would have no idea which chapter was the real and which chapter was the fake, having drafts of both a false narrative and one that was actually the correct conclusion to what the series was. So considering that uh, recently the first part of the final season of Attack on Titan has finally ended... I'm really uh, anxious about what essentially I want to do. Do I want to wait, considering that we all know that it's going to be winter 2022 when the second half of the final season comes through, or do I just bite the bullet now and go read the manga? So I guess I'll just kind of leave that one up in the air at this point in time and decide on whether or not I want to at least go and continue with it in manga form or wait like everybody else as an anime only and to finally see the conclusion of the series that has been on the air since 2013. But in terms of a show that is arguably just as big, finally being able to announce their sixth part of their long-running series of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, fans and fans would be delighted to know that part six is finally getting an anime adaptation with Jolene Joestar, with Jolene taking center stage as Stone Ocean in this adaptation. Now, to be fair... This is probably one of the only ones, and it's a really big mark on my record, considering that I got halfway through Stardust Crusaders, which is the third part of JoJo's, and then proceeded to drop it, even though it was in the middle of airing. Um, so at any point in time, if I'm going to have to like jump back into this series, which is not necessarily a high priority on my part, since I thought it was fun and engaging, but not something that was as hype as it was, even though, to be fair, I was watching that series, oh god, like, what was it, back in 2014 or so? So, I mean, given seven years, I might have been able to amass enough knowledge and actually get a little bit of an inkling of interest to try and get myself back into the series, but at this point in time, I can just be happy for the uh, fans of JoJo who realize that finally their sixth part is getting an official adaptation and... 
Honestly, we don't know what the date is going to be just yet, so they'll still have to wait just a bit longer in order to figure out when they're actually going to be able to set their eyes on this new um, green adaptation. But um, only time will tell, so I'm kind of happy for them, and let's just see how that goes. So, like I said, not really a lot of news in terms of the majority of it, um, considering that this episode is mostly just going to be um, a transitionary period, just kind of looking back and seeing how the majority of the shows that I watched back in the winter 2021 season ended up faring, and what I'm going to be uh, watching jumping into the spring 2021 season for the shows that are already out, and the handful of shows that are still waiting to be aired, but I'll at least be able to give a handful of opinions just to kind of see how that season is going. So, I mean, to start off with, the biggest shows that I did not watch in this case would have been Jobless Reincarnation, ReZero Second Season, uh, Quintessential Quintuplets New Season. Oh god, was there like anything else massive? I mean, <laughs> Seven Deadly Sins wasn't necessarily on my radar. Redo the Healer was just kind of... It, it did what it did, apparently. I don't even know. Um, but apparently the best one that I missed out that is going to be sitting on my list for, I guess, quite some time is apparently Skate the Infinity because it was just a blast from everybody that I had heard watching it, and there was not really much that you could essentially, like, be mad or sad about going through the majority of this, considering that, what was it, it was an original source by Bones, and they basically just tied a lot of their passion into this, and everybody was just kind of along for the ride that it went through, so, I don't know, everybody that I heard said they liked it, so at least that's uh, some place to go towards. Uh, in terms of the shows that I actually did watch and complete, I guess we'll just get the uh, lower end of the shows out of the way. I mean, we finally finished up the second half of Higurashi's essential sequel season at this point in time, Higurashi uh, Nigo, and it just, uh, we're going to be getting another season. It's just, just it's going to keep moving forward, but there's not really much that I cared about in terms of this. Especially with the fact, considering that the first 12 episodes were just rehashes and, like, resets for, like, all the arcs that happened in the first uh, series, but only a lit with little twists just to kind of, like, throw a little misdirection your way. But even then, there wasn't really much for me to get excited about it. There's a handful of people that really love the uh, turn that it was actually able to take, and they're going to be invested going forward. But, I mean, for me, I'm just kind of like... I don't know, dude. I, we, we could have just ended that, like, what was it, 48, 50 episodes uh, for the original? Like, just go back and watch that. Like, that's honestly all you need to do. This is not necessarily... I mean, I could just eat my words, considering that with the new season coming through, maybe the story can go in a more interesting direction just to kind of see how that rotates, but I just can't really see myself getting too, like, engaged with essentially what's going to be playing out over the next couple of seasons, so... I don't know, it comes out when it comes out, but I'm not really that enthralled about seeing, like, another season of Higurashi, so, I don't know, I'll just kind of let Sleeping Dogs lie with that. Um, everybody who watched The Promised Neverland second season was <laughs> disappointed, to say the least, and for me, it was just laughably bad how rushed and out of place the second half of this uh, second season went. And it's just like a comedic disaster, even though apparently people didn't necessarily enjoy the ending of the manga that much. Because there was just, there was a arc that happened immediately after that would have taken place in the middle of the second season. But they just like, ha like hashed it out. I ended up just like not going back to read the manga, considering that I knew that I was going to be getting myself in trouble like right off the bat. But apparent, but I ended up watching 
um, a really decent uh, manga review of the whole thing and what was supposed to happen. And I think up until they got to the end of that uh, little tidbit and the handful of arcs that followed, I think it would have still been an enjoyable watch with a like mediocre conclusion. But the fact that they knew that this wasn't going to get an extra season, that they knew this wasn't going to be getting in any extra form of content in the forms of OEAs or movies to finally hash out the last of it, like... Even not being a manga fan, I was laughing my ass off at how ridiculous the... Like, let's just put it this way. The final four to five minutes of the final episode was like a slideshow of what happened in, like, the final, what, 40 chapters of the manga? And it was just... Oh, boy. It was just a sight to behold because I think this might have been, like, the biggest downhill turn I've ever seen any sort of manga adaptation get. It was absolutely absurd. So everybody is just going to mark this down as just kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. It was an adaptation. Manga's over. It's not necessarily something that people are going to be looking back on. Like, there's no reread ability at this point or watchability after all of this is said and done. So it's just a really tragic part where essentially this show is just going to go down after having such a monumental and really like well laid out and put together first season, which was honestly one of my favorite shows of, what was it? I think it would have been like 2019 or so. It did a really good job. But what essentially happened with this second season is going to be talked about in terms of like, how do you fuck up an adaptation? And it's going to be kind of interesting to see how people are going to remember the show, but at the very best... It's just going to fall from memory within a couple of weeks, and that's the last we'll ever hear of The Promised Neverland. Oh, geez, Lock Horizon ended up getting a third season after four, I think, four years of dormancy? And it was just... I did have to, like, reread up some an article that somebody was able to post up on the anime subreddit just so I can, like, catch up and say, okay, so what are the political standings? Who's facing who? What's the, What are the land wars? Like, what are the, uh, like, places of everybody about the round table? And what are their goals? And what essentially they're moving around? And it's just kind of like, holy shit, I really just missed out on... Because I don't remember what, like, really enjoying the second season that much. Especially with the fact that it's like... Damn, like four to five years ago, like I'm actually going to have to go back and if they ever do put out a fourth season, I'm going to have to like redo and like re-catch up on a lot of the stuff that they went uh, through and adapted. But um, I don't know, it's just more Lock Horizon. I would imagine if you watched, like if the only reason, which of course is pretty basic for saying this about like a season three, but it's just, yeah, the only people who watched this were who like liked and enjoyed the first two seasons. So there wasn't necessarily much that you could do or say to dissuade people otherwise, and so I thought it was fine. I hope that it doesn't take another five years for a fourth season, but it's just considering that now I don't, I can't even remember who uh, adapted this. Oh, that's who it was. So it was Studio Dean who did seasons two and three, with State Light being the one that ended up doing the first season, because it was like, I'm trying to think, oh, right, yeah, no, oh my god. So, no, it's it was like six years since... Wow, it was almost six years since um, uh, the second season came out. And it was just, and this was like the the year or about 18 months before Studio Dean like got up like out of the muck. And it, like at that time, uh, Dean's reputation late, uh, like in late 2014 was just, there was nothing positive about it. And then you essentially had Dean's renaissance where they did not only um, Konosuba, they also did uh, Rakugo Shinju. 
and then like back-to-back masterpieces and then it's just kind of like oh yeah no is studio dean doing this hell yeah dude everybody's got something positive to say about them so the reputation has definitely improved over the past six years but it's like damn dude yeah season two and three are just like really 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 wonky (laughs) and so yeah i thought it was fine that is the most i can say about like any like either of those two seasons so i'll watch more of it when it comes out because i still enjoy where the story is going but i'll just have to take and uh take and see what I can make of it whenever they decide to put that out. So at least I can say with the rest of the shows that I watched, I definitely enjoyed most of them to a degree that I was satisfied with. So Dr. Stone's second season, not really much for me to go through when they were in like reintroducing everything and we were just going to do the Stone Wars. It was really nice to see kind of like how the majority of the new characters were set up and how they interacted with the rest of the story, especially with what happened with uh, Tsukasa at the end and the fact that he was able to like get a little bit more of the spotlight and actually have uh, like more interactions with Senku and the rest of the group, which were honestly like the, the final two episodes were definitely the most fun that I had out of most of the entire series. So I'm really glad to see like what they're going to be able to accomplish with the next one because we definitely know that Dr. So is still going strong and we know that it's going to get a third season and I'm definitely going to still recommend this to anybody who's looking for like more shonen action fare but with a definite twist uh, considering that Senku is just a, such a unique uh, protagonist in comparison to the majority of the guys that we've seen nowadays and it's definitely something that has a really good positive scientific ring to it. So definitely a lot of good stuff there. Beastar's second season... As much as I didn't like it as much as the first, it still did a lot of good stuff with the content that they were able to go through. And with a lot of the relationships going through, at least in this one, we finally get to reveal the identity of the killer that was set up in the first season. So that was definitely nice to go through. Not really too big on uh, Luis's arc going through. It was really fun to see him put in that kind of a position besides uh besides what happened like the main conflict getting resolved in the final episode not a lot else really grabbed me through the majority of it legoshi is still like a fantastic character to like follow after and dissect and kind of see what exactly he's thinking about i really enjoy him and the relationships that he and connections that he has with the rest of the characters inside of the show and it definitely is kind of unfortunate that haru didn't necessarily get as much of a spotlight uh compared to the rest of it because it was mostly just about legoshi and Louise. Besides that, I really don't know what Studio Orange is going to be doing in terms of their projects moving forward. It definitely seems like they wanted, like they ended the season on a way where they could just let the story rest and recuperate. I think Beastars is closing up its manga like relatively soon within the next year, year and a half. So if they ever do decide to go back and like adapt the whole thing, I really hope that's not the case because I want them to adapt uh, Oseki no Kuni, Land of Lustrous, first. But Hoseki no Kuni has been on like a fucking four, three to four month hiatus and I don't think I can stand it. It's so, uh, I can't believe it, man. I cannot believe that it's actually been this long. They, it's like, oh yeah, no, we're going on hiatus. You told us this at the end of that chapter and we're thinking, okay, well, you know, two, three months. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> what? Dude, it's nearly four months, man. We just need a new chapter. We need a new chapter of Land of the Lustrous. It is, it is so fantastic, because we'll lead on with, because um, Orange did a co-production leading into what I'll, uh, I'll talk about one of the shows that I'm watching uh, for in this spring season, but I'm curious to see where 
or what their next major solo production is going to be, because they don't necessarily have anything lined up as of yet, or publicly known as of yet. I would imagine they're already working on the next big thing, but they are still my favorite rising studio to date, so I'm really curious to see how they essentially uh, make that out in the future. Did I go through this? Oh yeah, no, I guess I did. Um, Yoru Camp second season. Not really a lot to say. Incredibly comfy, incredibly satisfying. I really enjoyed the time that I had with it. If you liked Yoru Camp season one, you're definitely going to love season two. And on top of everything else, apparently they might get a movie adaptation coming out in 2022. If this wasn't, although, because mm, I, I keep trying to think, was this an April Fool's joke? Because it came out for us um, on April 1st. And whenever there, somebody decides to announce anything around those uh, things on that kind of date, then there's not necessarily uh, any like positive or any like definite thread that you can follow towards. But at the time that they were setting this up, it was... It was, you know, it wasn't April Fool's Day in Japan, so thankfully, it definitely seems like we're surprisingly going to be getting a uh, movie adaptation, which is possibly going to be original, because I'm pretty sure they covered all the volumes of the manga with those two seasons, so I'm really curious to see what they're going to be able to accomplish uh, getting a full movie. And from the concept art that they're releasing, it looks like they're going to be, like, college students, or they're going to be in their, like, early to mid-20s. And I'm really curious to see how they're actually going to be able to translate that and move forward and just kind of see, which I would imagine the characters that we know aren't necessarily going to grow up that much. They're just going to be the same people. It's all said and done. We already know how they act and what their personalities are. So it's not necessarily going to be that much of a change, but I'm really curious to see how they're going to be able to like adapt this part of it. And I don't necessarily know if they're going to be consulting with the original mangaka to kind of see how they want to take the story or if they want to make it just completely original with just their consent and their blessing. But I don't know. We're just going to kind of have to wait and see how that uh, goes up. It happens. And... Yeah, just wait, and wait, and wait some more, unfortunately. Um, let's go through the last one. Was this the only... Yeah, I guess so. The only major uh, romance show. I can't remember the last one I watched, actually. I'm going to have to go back and double-check around that. But Horamiya, after, geez, like, running as a webcomic, I think, since the late 2000s, they lined it up with the conclusion of the of the monthly serialized uh, web novel, and it was able to conclude on the graduation day, and it was able to conclude on the on the story and what they've been able to accomplish over the past uh, like decade or so, just over a decade. And I really did enjoy this. People, I would, I can definitely see why people thought it was a little boring whenever they decided to focus on the side characters, which is. I can definitely understand that, but considering that the side characters in of themselves, they had so much personality and so much, uh, like, clash and not necessarily conflict, but chemistry. That's the one I was looking for. Uh, like, because the, they were a really good, tight-knit group. Even before uh, Miyamura ended up, uh, like, coming into their lives, they were still, like, really, really nice, really positive, and it was a really good thing, uh, a really good, tight-knit group and people who were able to keep uh, both Hori and Miyamura grounded. So it was definitely nice to have that kind of um, group fit in so well around them. But the major part and the budding of their relationship was incredibly satisfying and definitely uh, like a really, really touching. I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing them actually be able to grow together and meet up and form this connection and bond and where they're able to take it. It was definitely something that was enjoyable. And I really... I can only imagine how the people felt when this finally concluded, considering that I would imagine, for those who had been, uh, like, reading this for since the 2000s, this was, like, most of their lives. 
and I can only imagine how that kind of felt when it finally concluded after such a long period of time and there was some finality to it. I mean, there might be extra chapters going through. The closest thing that I had uh, in relation to that would have definitely been the ending of Relife, because for Relife, I read it for two and a half years of my time, weekly, and they were still able to get a handful of extra chapters out, like after the rest of it, like a handful of epilogue stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if they do decide to go down that road just to go and create a little more content for those who are thirsty for more. But I don't know. I was I was satisfied. It was a really great romance. And I would definitely recommend it because there's not really much else I can say about it. Go give it a watch. So for something a little more drab, a little grayer, um, with the conclusion of the first half of Attack on Titan's final season, I enjoyed it. I actually, there's not really much that we can like knock it for, considering that it's the first half of a whole that we still have no idea what the picture is. Of course, people who have read the manga and finally gone through the conclusion know how it ends and kind of uh, how the majority of the directions are going to be taking the rest of the characters. I do like uh, what they were able to do and what they were able to set up with just a short amount of time. I think that was kind of the only thing that I had to like really adjust because we're introduced to a new set of characters, even though we've been with um, our original cast for 60 episodes or so, and thinking that we would have to also empathize with this new group right off the bat in the middle of a massive conflict was kind of the only questionable thing I had uh, going against it. But besides that, the amount of just content and conflict they were able to get into 16 episodes going through was more than enough satisfactory. So I would definitely give it a pass, and I cannot wait for the final season to conclude. I just really hope that MAPPA is not taking too much more than what they can handle, because hot damn dude, they have so many shows lined up for 2021, It's like on top of the stuff that they did last year. So it's just, the only thing I can say to them is um, just like, good luck, and I really hope that you're able to pull this through. But in terms of uh, production uh, issues, I mean... A show that I ended up picking up after the season was over due to a recommendation from a friend of mine would have been Wonder Egg Priority. And I understand that it was as far off anybody's radar as it was off of mine when it started at the beginning of the season and it picked up more and more momentum as the weeks went along and everybody was enjoying it. And then we hit the midpoint and then we hit a recap episode for an original 12-episode series. And that's terrifying considering that you know that if this is what's happening in the middle of the production you know that something is going through and but something isn't right and you know that we considering that the entire anime industry is just like crunch time incarnate in of itself and like with no unions and like no real way for us to support the individual creators that go like from behind the scenes and are actually able to make this production into reality and then you come out with articles and tweets basically going through that one of the animation producers essentially had to be taken to the hospital twice just to get the thing out the door is just like a real eye-opener and is just tragic in of its own right because they all they're all in this for the same reason they all want to do what they can because they're passionate about this work you do not get into the anime industry for the money for the prestige you get it because you're passionate about the medium and it's so easily often that this passion is basically exploited that it's basically a second thought to thinking about any of the creative hands on this project whether it's the directors whether it's the producers not necessarily the producers that like fund the show they are essentially able to like get away with only suggestions and not having to put too much into it besides just notoriety but 
just like the animators and the majority of the staff that are actually forced with getting this thing to completion, it's just really sad when you like pull the curtain back even more and just realize, God, it's just a hell out there, which is nothing to uh, like dock anything on the show's quality because that's the thing. One of the only reasons why a lot of these uh, wor- why a lot of the word was able to get out is because of how much traction the show was able to create because of the quality that it had between the set of the characters with the with how uh, like stylized and perfectly set the production was how all the fight scenes were able to move themselves into a really good place with the majority of the themes and the story that it was able to construct. And the only positive thing that we can take out of this is that they have now given the, essentially the staff and the studio, we're not going to get the final episode of Wonder Egg Priority until June. So at this point in time, they've got another two and a half months to finalize and get this uh, final episode out the door, which I'm really curious to see how they conclude it because I'm really enjoying what the show was able to give me and what they were able to accomplish in this short amount of time. And it's definitely something that I would recommend from the bottom of my heart towards everybody who is looking for something a little more stylized and something that's a little more out there and a little more avant-garde in comparison to the majority of the stuff, which is definitely something that you really enjoy because there's a handful, there's only a handful of original things that come out every season and the vast majority of them don't necessarily get off the ground and they're not necessarily ones that are too high with their ambitions and with their goals. But along comes Wonder Egg and you know how much trouble the production came through in order to at least get this thing out the door is just something that you really hope for and push for to try and make a difference and to try and figure out a way to help these people. There's going to be um, a online magazine that's going to be going through in between the gaps of the final two episodes of Wonder Egg, and so I definitely recommend people donating to that if they are so inclined to just kind of help get this kind of word out in the open and to help hopefully support those who are trying their damnedest to at least finally and give this show a positive conclusion. So, oh boy, well, moving on with that, I guess we'll finally take a look at what has already come out and what I've been jumping into and watching in the spring 2021 season. And so I guess I'll start out considering that just this week we finally ended up getting the first episode of the World Ends With You um, animated adaptation. This is the first time I've ever watched an anime adaptation of a video game that I've played. I was not, I've not been into Danganronpa, I didn't read the visual novel for Steins Gate or for Fate Stay Night, I didn't play any of the Persona games, so essentially this is the first time that I've been able to go through it. The first thing that I guess I have to say is like, holy shit, I didn't realize that they're going to have to pace this thing this fucking fast in order to get the entire story out the window, because it's like, dude... We went through three days, three days of the campaign in one episode. And it's, they're also like introducing new fact that apparently noise can affect players, which wasn't really much in the game. Noise can physically manifest and attack the players, but they don't necessarily take over their psyche like they do with the majority of people who are in the upper world. So I'm kind of curious to see how they're going to be moving that uh, forward, but the soundtrack still balling. I really, 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 really love this soundtrack and what they're, and how it just makes me smile every single time they bring out either a battle, a battle theme, an idol theme, the opening main menu, when they're walking through Shibuya and they're able to at least get the majority of the tracks composed by Takeharu Ishimoto. Honestly, fantastic, like brings you right back into the 2000s. 
I really did enjoy the fact that I was able to go back and re-experience the majority of this stuff that I went through. I mean, to be fair, considering that I did uh, play the remix on the Nintendo Switch, that was also a fun time to go through, and I think I got that either at the end of 2018 or the beginning of 2019. Either or, it was definitely something, at least for the first time in a while, something positive to look back to and to go back and replay. Because The World Ends With You, even though I've already talked about it at length on another podcast of mine, or another podcast episode, it still doesn't have that much replayability, considering that once you beat the game, you're still able to go back and do all the unlockables, but you can pick which day that you decide to uh, like reenact. And so from there, you're able to go and get the unlockables and read into a little bit more on what the story wasn't able to fully and conclusively tell by the end of it all. So that's basically the only extra content that you can go through at that point, and that the fact that the Switch somehow is a two-player mode, which was kind of interesting, but uh, I don't know, you know, you know me, single boy out here with only two hands, and unfortunately I had to use both of them to get the the majority of the controls down. But I'm curious to see how the rest of this adaptation is going to go. Uh, Another season of My Hero Academia. I'm I'm less curious on how the first third of this is going to be, as I am curious how they're going to be able to do the next arc. And this next arc is going to be a lot longer than the initial fight between Class A and Class B, but I'm really curious to see how this adaptation is going to present that and what it's able to, going to be able to accomplish by its own merits inside of you know this new space that they're going to be able to adapt it from. So I'm really curious to see what the second half of this season is going to be able to bring to the table, but until then, I think I'm just going to patiently wait and just kind of see how they're going to be able to get Class A and Class B to fight. Maybe we'll have a uh, cut done by Taka Nakamura. Maybe we won't, but we definitely know he's going to be able to do one of those cuts in the second half, so just going to have to wait and see. But one of my more sought-after uh, seasons that are going to be jumping through, and I was already like choking up a bit when the first uh, episode was able to go through, and considering that this is going to be Fruits Basket's final season, I'm really curious to see what they're going, how this is going to conclude, considering that I really enjoyed the first uh, two seasons. It has the potential to be my favorite shoujo series of all time, with the current one standing at the top being His and Her Circumstances, which I would also give a hearty recommendation. really want people to go watch that. But I'm really curious to kind of see how this conclusion goes through. It's thankfully a situation where when the manga ended... There wasn't an outcry, there wasn't backlash, it was just a good ending, a good solid conclusion that people were happy with. And that's honestly all I can ask from this series. But I think the only, but I guess if there's anything else, it's just kind of like making Toru a little bit more of an active protagonist, considering that I think we're finally going to be able to realize what has, what other trauma, what was related to her father's disappearance and death like i'm really curious to see how that's going to be able to be brought forward and how that affects her character because that's like one of the only negative things i can say about the entirety of fruits basket is that she's just too pure and too perfect but the majority of the spotlight goes on to the rest of the zodiac members and the characters which really have their own opportunities to shine and it's also one of my favorite ensemble casts in terms of like in any romance anime period so i'm really enjoying uh how they were able to go through the first episode and hoping that for the rest of it which looks like it's going to be anywhere between 13 to 15 episodes as a conclusion all i can hope for is that as the manga did it sticks its landing 
But now we need to get into some fighting here. We need to get some, some hot shonen spirits, some robots, some monsters, and everything in between. And two of those shows going through would be SSSS Dent. Oh boy, let's try and uh, pronounce this. Dinozanon. Dinozanon. Okay, that's a little better. Um, this is essentially not a sequel. It doesn't look like it's a sequel series, but it's more like something in the tokusatsu version where it's kind of like a, here's a SSSS uh, like first season with a whole set of characters, and then there's going to be a second season with an entirely new batch. So we kind of get anybody who watched and enjoyed the first season of Gridman is most likely going to enjoy this too. Because otherwise, there's not really much of a reason for you to jump into this series other than you're looking at it and thinking, oh, dude, giant robots fighting giant monsters. Welcome to Japan. I like the aesthetic. I like the fights. And I'm really curious to see what they're, what ideas and what themes they're going to try and go through because I, uh, Rika and Akane's entire dynamic within the first season and how they were able to like take the spotlight and what they were able to accomplish with their relationship by the end of it, I was a really big fan of it. So I'm hoping that Dinozenon is able to produce this, a, a similar kind of a similar kind of feeling uh, by the end of it, and actually give us a little more to have fun with. Oh yeah, Thunderbolt Fantasy is uh, also at a third season, which also just came out of nowhere for me, because um, it's a co-production with Taiwanese hand puppets and Japanese voice actors, and. <laughs> Written by Gena Rabuchi. If you didn't know this was coming out, well, neither did I. Uh, did you Did you like the first and second seasons? Okay, then you're probably just going to like this one too. That's, that's the only reason anybody would ever jump into this show, period. Because there's just not really a lot to say about it, other than you're really just going to have to see this for yourself, where it's just Taiwanese hand puppets. How the fuck can that be entertaining? It's like, eh, well, you'd be pretty surprised. There is a lot of talking, though. That's probably just one of the only knocks that I actually have to give it. And now coming to a show that is in Netflix jail at the moment, but is still getting a handful of episodes coming out at a time through the internet, find your own way, is uh, Godzilla Singular Point. And so this is the one that I was talking about earlier in the sense that this is a Bones and Studio Orange co-production, with Orange taking care of the majority of the CG and the backgrounds and a lot of the monsters, which from the first two episodes are really well detailed, and they fit very well into the scene. Even though the majority of the assets are completely monster and alien in nature, it's really, like, well integrated, especially with uh, the action scenes that they go through with the robots that I imagine we're going to be getting a lot more action with, considering that's a very common theme this season. But it's been a really strong start to, even though I'm trying to think about all the Godzilla titles that have basically gone through, since I haven't necessarily been too in tune with all of the uh, North American productions of Godzilla, where, what was it, there was Godzilla, and then there was King of Monsters, and now there's Godzilla vs. Kong, which is now out on HBO Max, but I heard positive things about it, and, but I, it's not really too high on the priority list. I did watch Shin Godzilla by um, Hideaki Anno, and that was an incredibly entertaining and a good back and forth in terms of just production and action and conflict and bureaucracy or the mockery thereof and so considering that this is going to be the next Godzilla part of the franchise that I just dis- well that yeah I guess it is part of the franchise since it still has the majority of it we don't know how they're going to tie in because the titular monster has not shown itself in the first two episodes well it might have it- <laughs> well it might actually have but we don't really know how it got to where it is 
So we're just going to have to wait and see how this story decides to progress and just move forward. Uh, and then the same deal. Another series that I didn't necessarily knew... It didn't really need a second season because I was incredible and I was still like uh, pal- palpable and enjoyed the first season that ended up coming around with it a couple of years ago, which would have been with Megalobox. And Megalobox now has a second season and it's not traumatizing, but it's just really depressing. Like, dude, Joe is Joe is fucked, man. Joe is just down in the dumps addicted to painkillers, puking in back alleys, just trying to go through any semblance of his life and still being able to find some spark and some energy just to keep him alive. With a lot of stuff being narrated or given exposition in the background that you would really have to like go through with a, the handful of uh, news reports that's essentially giving you the majority of the stuff that's happened over the five-year gap that has happened between now and the end of the first season, it's we can kind of have an idea about where it's going to go, but... I don't know, man. It's you. You all gotta hope for him because he is Gearless Joe. He is the guy that we have to fight with. And just seeing him in the state that he has gone through in the first episode was just, dude, depressing as all hell. I'm really hoping that at some point in time he's going to be able to get some positive reinforcement from the old people that he had in his life because it seems like he's taking steps in the right direction. But right now he is just possibly at his lowest point. Ah, yes, the fi- so I guess the last one that I haven't been able to talk about too much, considering that it still isn't out at the time of this recording, would be To Your Eternity. And this is from the same author of The One Who Wrote a Silent Voice, and that's basically all I got going for it. But that's all I need at that point, because of how much I really enjoyed the story of the Silent Voice manga. Defin- I-, I still like the movie, but considering that with the amount of stuff that they had to cut out through that production just to try and get something as condensed into the two hours that they had to try and adapt that story, I still prefer the manga over it. But this was another one of their works, and at this point in time, that's all you gotta say to me. I am legitimately curious to see what kind of characters and themes that they're going to be able to put into this new adaptation, because there's nothing I know about it, and there's nothing that I'm essentially looking forward to, but as long as I know that I've heard more than enough positive things because there are so many people that have given this a good stamp of quality with the content that it's already been able to go through inside of its own manga run, I'm really curious to see what they're going to be able to accomplish and, you know, actually try and go through with the with the real hard hitters that have been popping up this season. Because a handful of shows that, yeah, I guess at this point I'm curious... <laughs> but not really, but that not that curious. I mean, fuck, same person that did uh, Fairy Tale did not, uh, like their other project, Eden Zero, is getting another adaptation. I really could not care less. Apparently, Tokyo Revengers has been a long running story that has more than enough of positive reception to get through, even though the trailer that I watched for it made it seem very mediocre, so I'll just let people go through there. I've not seen the first uh, season of Zombie Land, so I would imagine people who are really enjoyed. But I would imagine people who really enjoyed the first season for uh, this is going to be really curious about their second revenge season and how exactly they're going to be able to try and get Saga back into the public eye. I'm reading the Nagatoro-san, which is like, tease me, Nagatoro manga. 
And yeah, no, it I'm, it's not really something that I have too much of a priority. Like maybe I'll go and give the first episode a watch just to go through, but it's just kind of like going back on what I'd heard about the like a handful of the things because it's been so long since I went back and read the first couple of chapters where it's like she really, really, really drags this guy through the mud for the majority of the first like 10 chapters or so. So if it's just like, oh yeah, no, she's not going to be positive towards him at all until like episode four or five it's like uh well then what am i uh, what am i doing here i don't even know uh, so i'll just i'll just kind of let uh, nagatoro like just run its own course and just kind of see what the majority of people or how the majority of people react to it but yeah we'll just have to wait and see there's not a lot else going through i mean slime ended up getting like a like a uh spin-off series this uh this one apparently a lot of stuff is going around with 86 uh, so I'll just have to wait and keep my eyes open out for that. I guess that's it. I mean, in comparison to what was able to go through... Well, I mean, in comparison to what came out for the beginning of the year... Like, winter 2021 was stacked, dude. And I'm still watching the same amount of shows in this season that I was in last. It, does, it doesn't seem like it's going to have as many hard hitters in comparison. But I mean, like, dude, last season you had, like, Attack on Titans, like, first half of the final season. It's really hard to, like, kind of get some semblance of hype. I mean, we got My Hero, but that's kind of about it. There's not really many other hard hitters that can step up to the plate in comparison to what was actually able to go through in the previous. But, I mean, it, we are reaching this point in time where we already have a good idea of what we're going to be able to watch and adapt and see and consume uh, for the next couple of months, which will lead us to about halfway through the year. But honestly, if this is what we started out with, if this is going to be the first half of 2021, dude, I'm extremely excited to see what's going to be around the corner. Mm-hmm.